Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Welcome to this edition of Sport. Oh, goodness gracious. This is not Sports Flash. This is World Sports Roundabout, the only show out there on Radio Paul Sports where we look at the world and tell you what the sports are all about. That's not, a, that's not what it is. Let me think about this again. Welcome to World Sports Roundabout, the only show out there. We take a look. How, how did it go? I am clearly butchering this, and I don't know why. All right, let me think about this. Welcome to World Sports Roundabout, the only show out there on Radio DePaul Sports, and we take a roundabout look at sports around the world and tell you what sports are all about. There we go. All right, perfect. Uh, thank you guys for joining me on this MLK Day. Um, there aren't a ton of shows. Mostly, I think the students are trying to, you know, other staffers, you know, we're trying to enjoy their holiday off. And, uh, well, I don't. As a graduate student, you don't really get to enjoy those things because, you know, the time that you could spend, you know, uh, relaxing and doing all that fun stuff, uh, I'm busy trying to make sure I do an assignment to date. Uh, it's the first time I've ever had to write in, like, Chicago style, uh, which, based on my very limited experience with it so far, I absolutely hate. Um, but it is what it is, and, you know... If I get through this, I only have to take like two more classes and then I'm done. I'm done with uh, graduate school and I will be completely free of the tyranny <laughs> that is uh, college education. Uh, college education is not that bad. Uh, I, 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 I kid, obviously, but um, in any case, you know, we have a relatively short episode this week. Um, I said that we would cover three countries and I did cover three countries. Uh, unfortunately, there wasn't really a ton of information about any of these countries, which is rough considering that this is a whole hour show. That being said, you know, if if I can manage to stretch this out to uh, to 45 minutes, I'll be content, honestly. Uh, already, I've already taken up like five minutes of time with this introduction and stuff like that. So, let's go ahead and get in with Guyana. Guyana is to the east of Venezuela. Oddly enough, and something that I learned relatively recently, is that there's 20% of Guyana is under contest. Uh, it's not, what is it? There's no uh, country claim to the land of Guyana. Uh, about 60% of 
if I remember correctly, the math, if I hope I remember wrong, 60% of Guyana is being claimed by Venezuela due to like a certain amount of, I think it's due to uh, the end result of British occupation and Spanish occupation and then the land around it was a big issue because the land that the uh, British and Spanish occupied was Venezuela, Guyana, and parts of Suriname, which we will talk about a little bit later. And Venezuela is claiming, the, you know, claims the west half of Guyana, and then Suriname claims, like, the east coast. So you have, like, this weird strip in the middle of Guyana that's essentially, you know, Guyana. And then the rest are in some sort of, uh, right now it's this international court which I found interesting just doing the research about this. Um, but again, not a ton about any of these countries. I just thought that this was probably like the most interesting um, fact about Guyana. Other than that, uh, Guyana's most popular sport is cricket. They uh, held some matches in their big stadium in Georgetown um, as part of the 2007 Cricket World Cup. I believe we've actually mentioned uh, the Cricket World Cup in the show before, but it is the uh, it was part of the West Indies 2007 World Cup. Um, I'm not entirely certain if we had fully covered it, but I I think I mentioned before that like I wonder how how I mentioned it. Did I mention it in Aruba or something like that? Because it's the West Indies, and I don't know where the West Indies is. To be truthfully honest with you, we we had to have covered it. We've had to have covered it. We must have covered it because it covers areas like Belize, Bermuda, Trinidad, Tobago, Barbados. Yeah, so we we must have covered it. I must cover. I don't know exactly when specifically I covered it, but I do know that we must have covered the 2007 Cricket World Cup before. Um, and again, we will talk about cricket at some point. I just don't want to talk about it now. Um, also popular is variations of cricket called softball cricket and beach cricket. Uh, beach cricket, I know, is the beach form of cricket. It's a much more simplified game, able to be carried around and played on the beach. Softball cricket, I could find... I, it's a real sport, but I couldn't find exactly what it is. I, my assumption is it's a much softer ball than that. Uh, well, we have time. I mean, it's a relatively short episode anyway, so let's see. Softball cricket. Let's see what the uh, wonderful Google thing says. Softball cricket. Eh... Yeah, again, I can find, uh, it just seems like it's a different kind of ball. So, like, cricket ball, there's, like, a hard ball, and then, like, I guess softball cricket is essentially using a softball, which I would assume means that the ball goes and there's more runs. I've seen cricket on television before. I'm pretty certain it's club cricket. I'm pretty certain they use the general hardball cricket. I've never really gotten into cricket because it's just... I'm not entirely certain what runs and overs and outs are in cricket. I think there's actually a video out there where it explains cricket in baseball terms. I'm sure if it was explained to me in baseball terms, I'm sure I would understand it completely. At least that's just me. But 
Anyways, moving on. Like I mentioned in the last episode, uh, Guyana, Surmain, and French Guyana all compete in the CONCACAF. 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 <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're members of the CONCACAF. They they compete with the other Caribbean teams and North American teams in that uh, league. Again, they have not qualified for a World Cup ever. They do have a top flight uh, football league. It's called the GFF Elite League. Not much information about the league I could find about other than the fact that there are 20 teams in the league. Um, in terms of just general athletics, um, they do compete in the Olympics. Um, they've only ever won one medal, and that was Michael Anthony, who snagged a bronze medal in bantamweight division boxing in Moscow of 1980. Other popular sports include field hockey, rounders, which I believe is a form of croquet, not croquet. Uh, it's like bowlers, I believe is what it's called. It's it's the British. Yeah, yeah, no, I I know what I'm talking about. That uh, that's like the 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 uh, okay, like yeah, last week. Last week, where was it? Uh, where was it? Because we talked about Venezuela. Boche, I believe. I believe Rounders is like Boche, except it's the French version of it. I I think. Well, now I don't now I don't remember what Boche is. Ah, jeez, doing this two days, two long forms in a week, and then turning around and then trying to figure out. Uh... Oh boy. Okay, whatever. We're we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on because otherwise I'm gonna be stuck here thinking about it. Uh, so rounders, netball, lawn tennis, table tennis, basketball, squash, boxing, horse racing, and rugby are all played in some form in this particular country. That's it for, uh, Guyana. Uh, I, I know that, that we, we've only gone through 11 minutes of the show and already done with one of the countries. Um, Surmain, uh, fortunately is a little bit lengthier, um, just a smidge. Just a smidge. But they definitely should take up a little bit more of time. Uh, actually, you know what? I had completely thought, forgot about this um, at the beginning of the show. But before we go into it um, too much more, um, I, I do kind of want to talk about the Nepal plane crash. Now, obviously, this is a show that looks at sports in a roundabout way it tells you what the sports is all about so whenever there's some international news um that's you know hits the news that's like very important world-based news like i will talk about it if, if i can um and the nepal plane crash obviously is one of those this occurred, I'm trying to pull up just a general news story here, because I, I remember reading about it, but I don't remember the exact details on it. Um, but the plane, um, um, I'm trying to, jeez. 
sorry guys, I'm like, I'm trying to get a general news cap of that. It's really hard to just talk about sometimes because I, I have it on here that I need to talk about it, but it's it's clear that uh clear. Okay, so it was a Yeti's Airlines flight from uh Katamakura, India, all the way to Pokhara in Nepal, um, killing at least sixty nine of the seventy two people. Um the flight was approaching landing in Nepal, took a sudden bank right and crashed a couple miles into the city of Nepal. It is the deadliest crash in Nepal's history. There was a live video that was uh, taken during the crash, and um, it's still out there. Like, obviously, you know, it was a crash. Um, there's no, there's, it's not, it's, it's disturbing. It's not graphic, I shouldn't say, because, like, there's no dead bodies there, but. It, it, it is scary to look at. Um, so I, I would, you know, I, I'll put viewer advisory is discouraged, but it is out there of the uh, live crashers. Uh, I, I will say his the person's name, uh, Sonu ja Jaiswal. I, I, I'm not too familiar with the pronunciation of like um, Middle Eastern. Um, or South Southeast Asia, I believe India would be considered Southeast Asian. Um, I, I don't know if I'm butchering the name correctly, but he had a live feed in the plane as it was approaching, and they were pretty close, it looks like, just based on my knowledge of like how flights work. Uh, they were pretty close to landing, and then they just took a bank ride and stuff like that. So um, I, I just want to take a moment to honor those that passed away and stuff like that. Um, and uh, we'll actually take a break for that brief moment. And we'll return with more of the show in a moment.
All right, and we're back with some more World Sports Roundabout. Let's talk about uh, Suriname. Suriname, Suriname. Well, I guess we're going to have to check Google for a... Come on, Google, don't fail me now. Suriname. Suriname. Thank you, Google. Appreciate the help whenever you can. So, we're going to talk about Suriname. And uh, Suriname. Suriname's kind of interesting, honestly. Um, it's one of the... It's I believe it's the only country in South America to have Dutch as its official language as it was at one point ruled under the Netherlands. And most of their citizens... Actually, I shouldn't say that. But most of the athletes actually play for a lot of the Netherlands teams. Uh, they might be born in the Netherlands, but they might have dual citizenship with uh, Suriname and uh, the Netherlands. Which I feel like is interesting. I... I hope one day that I could be a dual citizen of some place. Um, I don't know how that would be the case. Um, that would require me to get on a plane and somehow get citizenship there. But obviously, that's not something that I want to do. It's partially because I don't like flying whatsoever. Um, I had intentions of actually going abroad, but I don't know if that's going to happen this year whatsoever just because of... Um, just because of certain other opportunities that I would love to take advantage of, but I wouldn't be able to do all of them. And if I had to take a choice, I'd rather get paid versus going abroad. Which sucks, honestly. Because I've always wanted to go abroad. But in every time I've wanted to go abroad, it was either, oh, uh, COVID happened. Or, oh, you're having like really bad panic attacks. You need to bail out of this now. Or, oh, uh, you know, you're you're finding you're you're about to graduate. You can't. You need to focus on getting a full time job. You know, every time I've wanted to go abroad, like that's always been a thing. But I I know that's not what you guys are wanting to hear. You guys want to hear about Suriname, right? That's how you pronounce it, Suriname, right? Google Suriname. Thank you, Google Suriname. Yeah, you want to hear about Suriname, and they're big. Popular sport is football. Um, they've made strides in football. They actually do have a uh, actual uh, football club. I should say football club, but uh, a football program in Suriname now. Um, many Sermonese Sur 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 players, uh, they come on and then they play as part of large European club. Uh, these players you might have heard of uh, if you're like an old uh, football head. <laughs> it's weird that, that actually works in both sense, the old football head. But uh, Rude Galut, Gerard Vandenberg, Frank Rijicard, Frank Clovert, Audley Slory, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Do these names sound any familiar to you? They certainly don't for me. I, I can't say I know a ton about Netherlands football. So maybe these names don't... Like, I, I can't... I couldn't tell you a Netherlands player. Like, is Robin a player? Uh, 
I don't think he is. Not a Netherlands player, at least. I couldn't tell you uh, uh, a footballer from the Netherlands off the top of my head. Um, in any case, uh, Humphreys uh, Nijinals, um was named Surinese Footballer of the Century in 1999. Humphreys Nijinals, as I am going to quickly look up here. was a footballer who actually passed away a couple years ago. He was an international coach for both. Oh, no. He played international footballs for both Netherlands and Suriname. Uh, he didn't... He played mostly through the 50s, through uh, 1966, um, appearing in 45 games for Suriname and um, three games for the Netherlands. He received a sports medal of honor in the city of Yerdurek uh, in 2008. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool. And he was actually born in Suriname. Most of the guys that I mentioned before uh, were born in the Netherlands, but had like a parent that was Surinese. So that's kind of how they are considered Surinese. But Andre Kampanen uh, is the guy that actually got the ball rolling as he was the first Surinese player to ever play in the Netherlands at a professional level. Um, he played uh, for the national teams in the 40s and then he played for HC Harlem, I'm guessing. HFC Harlem or Harlem, I don't know. There's two A's, so it's not Harlem, but I believe it's like Harlem, Harlem, or I, I don't know, Har Harlem, it's, it's Harlem, it just it was two A's. I'm sure someone, if there's a Dutch, someone who's listening who's Dutch that could properly go through these pronunciations, please let me know. I, I don't love butchering names, you know, I, I like to get names right the first time, but, um, you know. You know, I'd I like to be right. I'd like to be right. Um, interestingly enough, just doing some quick, like, glance at his career. Dude was a basketball player, a sports administrator. He was a broadcaster, journalist, minister. He was a politician. Like, this is wild. Oh, he was a, uh, ba he played basketball and football. So he was a point guard for, like, uh, a couple of seasons, stuff like that. He, he played, did judo, too? Dude had a lot of time, man. Uh, oh, jeez, he was murdered. Oh, that's why he was dead. Says December 7th, 1982, at 2 a.m., he and his wife were interrupted from their sleep by the sisters of Desi Boltre, then, then dictator Serum. His guard's dogs were shot, and the government was taken away. A 14 who had voiced opinion to the military team was heard as suspect at trial. After his hearers, they were tortured and shot dead. That day on December 10th, his wife went to the hospital to identify the body. He has sustained injuries to the jaw, a swollen face, 18 shrews in the chest. 
a shot wound in the right temple, a fractured femur, and a fractured arm. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. And I'm, I'm, I'm just skimming through this. Like, this is under an article called The December Murders. This is, this is wild. I should, I should really lean in more to, like, some more interesting history. Because, I mean, that's interesting. I didn't know anything about this man. I was just, just going to brief run through his name. But I was like, oh, well, we got a short show. Let's just do this. This is, a, this is amazing. I mean, it's not amazing. Dude was murdered. Dude was murdered in a, in a military regime for just voicing his opinions. But, I mean, this is, this is, this is amazing. I, I wouldn't have known this if I had, you know, had I just decided to just run through every the news stories. And maybe that's a sign that the show needs to kind of evolve. I think I said, said it last time. Uh, last quarter, last winter quarter, that this show probably needed to evolve because the way that I do the show now was just kind of, eh. I think the difficulty was just evolving the show. It was just simply not having the time. And now that I've done the show and I realize the show could evolve, I realize I just don't have the time to really do that. But we'll figure that out. Uh, cricket is also very popular in the country as we're going to move on with the show. Um, it's mostly due to the popularity in the Netherlands and also by his neighbors of Guyana, uh, basketball, table tennis, volleyball, swimming, and Taekwondo are also enjoyed to a certain amount in Suriname. Suriname has also had some success in producing, uh, athletes such as Anthony Nessi, who was Suriname's first ever Olympic medalist when he took gold in the 19. 98 Summer Olympics in Seoul. He won it in the 100 meter butterfly. Um, he also took bronze in the 1992 uh, Summer Olympics in Barcelona. Um, I'm trying to see what that was for. I was, I'm not entirely sure if it was the 100 meter butterfly. I would think not, just because if you're a gold medalist, uh, let's see. Yep, 100 gold. Do, do. Yeah, he edged American favorite Matt Blondie by 100 of a second to 100 meter butterfly. Uh, by like, uh, literally by like 100 of a second, uh, 53 seconds to 5301. Uh, he was unbeaten in the 100 meter butterfly for three years. He is the first black male athlete and the only, the second male black athlete to win an individual Olympic medal in swimming following Inif Bergerta, who represented the Netherlands uh, winning two bronze medals. And he's the first one to win gold. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Well, I'm guessing he's the only black one. Just because... Uh, unless Alberto Zorilla... Yeah, he was Argentinian. So that doesn't really count. 
in terms of the black conversation and stuff like that. But only the second South African swimmer to win Olympic gold. So that's actually really amazing and stuff like that. He, uh... Yeah. Yeah, he went unbeaten for three years at the event because he won the 100 meter at the Goodwill Games, the FINA World Aquatics Champions, and the Pan American Games. So he did it for three years, then tried to defend it in 1992, but placed third. Uh, I want to. Okay, site is closed. All right. Guess I won't tell you when, how, who won it. Um, but yeah, and then he was a flag bearer in the 2008 Olympics in Beijing. That's actually really cool. I should really lean more into some of these things and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, Lieta Vers... Ooh, jeez. Lieta Vers Day, I believe is how you pronounce it, was the first South American athlete... To win a medal at the world champion competition where she took silver in 1995. She is also uh, uh, an athlete that has competed at five uh, Olympics uh, going as far back as Seoul. So she competed in Seoul, Barcelona. She competed in Atlanta. She competed at uh, Sydney. And then she competed at Greece. Uh, her best time, if I'm looking really close, looks like to be seventh. Looks like it'd be fifth. Fifth looks like her best time in the 1992 Olympics and stuff like that. But she did win... Uh, she had to play silver at the World Championships. I know she did it third in 2001 with Canada. Apparently, 1999, 1995, she won it too. Yeah, third place at Barcelona as well. But yeah, she had a pretty lengthy career of lots of wins. Uh, like, she won first, she won several medals at the South American Games, first in the Central American and Caribbean Games, Pan American Games Championships. You know, she's, she's won it. She's won a lot. Um, and she definitely competed in a lot of Olympics and stuff like that as representative of Suriname. Um, in fact, I'm almost certain that she wouldn't have competed in the 2004 Olympics if not for placing third in the World Championships three years prior. That is impressive. Good good for her. Good for her. She specialized in 1800 meter, but also was rather successful for 1500 meter. I'm sorry, she won second at this? Oh, I was looking at the wrong games. Okay. That would make sense. Yeah, she won second there. 1999, uh, I was looking at the World Cup. In 1938. I guess the World Cup of Track. I'm guessing. But yeah. Good for her. Good for her. Um, interestingly enough. Uh, Wim 
Isajas. Excuse me. Wim Isajas was meant to be the first Olympic athlete for Suriname. Uh, Wim Isajas, if I'm looking at the guy correctly, was at least part of the 1960 games. He was a middle distance runner. I, it, it's, it, okay, all right. Oh boy! All right. So this is this is interesting. Just doing the quick skim. Here's here's what I know. He was a medalist runner and qualified for the 1800 meter in the Summer Olympics. There's controversy on how he missed the event. Some say he overslept. Some say he was given a wrong time, but he missed the event. He retired from the event in 1960. So this was his only Olympics. He would have been uh, 20. He would have been 25 at this point. Because 20 would be right now. 35. He would have been 30. So, I mean, there's probably wasn't a huge opportunity for him to run again anyways. But he qualified for the 1960s. He missed the event. Um, and, you know, he just never ran again. Um. Uh, However, in 2005, the Surinese Olympic Committee presented Ijaz uh, with a plaque honoring him as the first Olympian. And an apology uh, as a mistake by the official. Uh, who knows? Which I guess is actually kind of messed up. Like, people are obviously, oh, he overslept for the event. When actually, it, it, it actually did turn out that he was given a wrong start time. Which, you know, if that's the only time you get to compete in Olympics, going for the Olympics is hard. And I, and I speak as someone who ran track for a couple years. Like, some of those dudes that were running track for us did get to compete in events um, like the indoor track championships, I believe. Um and those guys would probably be getting invites to like the Olympics and stuff, like the U.S. Uh, trials and stuff like that. Like it's hard. It's definitely hard to compete for the Olympics and stuff like that. And for your only opportunity to compete in the Olympics, messed up because one official just didn't give you the right, correct start time. Now, uh, now, part of me is saying, well, why didn't you question that? Didn't that sound like a little bit of a weird time? It must have not been a super weird time for him to run because I mean like if I recall uh, isn't it typically like late in the evening it, it must have not been it's either early in the morning or it's late in the evening depending on where you are because that is rather like when the uh, temperature cools down that that's kind of when you want the uh best running conditions is when the temperature is cool enough where you won't get overly hot. It's typically how you do it. So it must have been just a really weird time 
or it might have been like a day or so after. That's what I'm assuming. Um, but yeah, that's it for Suriname. We'll take a break and we'll talk about the last country on our list, uh, French Guiana. So stay tuned. Hey there, DePaul. If you like what you Hey, Alan Coulter here. I realize many of you may recognize me as the voice of late-night television, but today, think of me as the voice of reason, particularly when it comes to using common sense in regards to emergency preparedness. Look, you already know you should have an emergency disaster kit and a plan for your home and, for that matter, your workplace, too. But a plan is only as good as the paper it's written on. That's why practicing your plan can make all the difference in the world in times of an actual emergency. So come on, listen to me, that charming voice of reason, and use common sense in having an emergency disaster kit and plan for your home, your car, and business. Heck, you should even have a plan for your pets. Honest. Learn more at ready.illinois.gov. That's ready.illinois.gov. Remember the dots. Sponsored by the Illinois Emergency Management Agency. Aired in cooperation with the Illinois Broadcasters Association and this station. Biking in Chicago is more than just a mode of transportation. It's a lifestyle. It's convenient, affordable, and with 13,000 bike racks, parking is never a problem. But with every reward comes a sidecar of risk. In Chicago, over 1,700 cyclists a year are killed or injured in bike accidents involving motor vehicles. Bike safety is simple. First, become familiar with Chicago bike laws. Know your hand signals and when to use them. Love your brain. Get a bike helmet that fits your noggin. And deck it out with a headlamp and some reflective gear for riding at night. Bike at least three to four feet away from parked cars to avoid being struck by a car door being opened. Motorists can do their part, too, by checking their side view mirrors for bike traffic before exiting their vehicle. Most importantly, remember that we're sharing the road. Looking out for both ourselves and each other is the only way to keep Chicago's roads safe, no matter what your wheels look like. For more information on bike safety in Chicago, visit www.chicagobikes.org. This public service announcement was brought to you by Radio DePaul, Chicago's college connection. I'm a champion, real life mechanism, Hi, Shaquille O'Neal Farad. This is not your normal PSA. Don't be stupid. Don't drink and drive. If you're going to go out and have a good time, it's fine. But designate a driver to drive home. Let's stop the madness. Don't drink and drive. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. All right. We're back. We're just going to briefly touch on this because literally finding anything about French Guiana which is part of which like how do we're like it's a it's an island that like the French like they their own independent country but they're also like really attached to the French it's like a French how do, how to describe it how to describe it I'm not entirely certain it's like an enclave of, of France. Um, I'm not entirely certain I said. It's a territorial collectivity of France, which I don't know what a, a territorial collectivity is. It's a sub chartered subdivision of France that exercised the power of both a region and a department. Still don't know what that is, but I would assume... It would mean it gives them autonomy while also recognizing them as like a territory, essentially. 
So it's kind of like, uh, I think Guam actually became a, a place like that recently. So I would assume it's something like that. Or no, I'm certain it's something like Puerto Rico. Like Puerto Rico is kind of autonomous. It's, it's a United States territory, but they operate like their own, like they're their own country. Except in this case, French Guiana is essentially its own country in Africa. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, geography is not my big best thing. And like politics is definitely like second to that. So I won't worry about that. Um, what I was able to find is just very simple. The most popular sport in French Guiana today is football, followed by basketball, cycling, swimming, and handball. Though there are some opportunities to do canoeing, judo, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and aikido, karate, fencing, horseback riding, rowing, and there are select volleyball clubs in the sports department of French Guiana. They only became a full member of CONCACAF on CONCACAF in 2013, though they are still not recognized by FIFA. Um, they do not participate in certain club events because they aren't like. I guess they aren't technically part of like the Caribbean, so like they don't compete in the Caribbean Cup, despite the fact that they are a part of CONCACAF. Uh, the French Guiana team is known as Yana Doko. Um, they uh, have a selection of French Guiana Regional. I do French, so uh, for French Guiana Regional. Oh, jeez, I sound more Spanish. I can't do a French accent. Like, regional. Well, regional sounds, you know, it sounds more Spanish to me than French, but maybe I think that's the closest that you're going to get. Because there's a nice little tilde on the E here. But it's the highest tier of men's football in French Guiana. It was created in 1961 and it's organized by Liga de Football de la Guyane. Uh, there are 12 participants in the league. Now, I say that, but uh, there's no record that they've played a season past 2019. That was also the same case for... What was it? Um, did I actually not put it in the notes? Uh, the GF Elite League. There was no record that they actually played a season past 2015 for that one. So... I'm saying all this. It was created in 1961, organized by Liga de Football de la France. 12 for this event was the team finishing in the two bottom slots regulated to Regional 1. Actually, you know what? French Guiana is different, actually. Because I do remember this. It, it is listed under the French Football Federation um, as being part of it. So I'm actually wrong about that. This is actually a league, though I couldn't find records of it past 2019. But this is a league that does still exist. The Yana League that I spoke about earlier, I couldn't find any proof that it was played past 2015. But I could find at least proof that the league is still operational by the French Football Association. Stuff like that. The division of football in their top flight 
in terms of French Guiana is equivalent to the sixth tier of football in France, the regional one. Which I guess kind of makes sense. Because, I mean, like, this is just a simple territory. So, I mean, obviously, the football isn't going to be as, you know, good as you're like, uh, what's the top flight in France, actually, now that I'm thinking about it? Uh, I'm trying to think of, actually, a football team that's in there. Uh, French. French football. Oh, my goodness. I actually have no idea. French football league would be... League one. Okay. That's 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 not as impressive as I thought it was gonna be. But, you know, they're not gonna be League One. But like I, I honestly am kinda shocked. I believe it's this territory is actually the biggest in terms of the French territory that they have left. And so I'm actually kinda shocked that like uh that is only qualifies them to be uh to be at the sixth division. The sixth division, I believe in Europe in like England, is essentially like amateur league. Like they're they're not getting paid to play football at that point. You you're getting you're you're playing this division for the love of the game. It's only until you get the fourth division that you actually start getting at least some money for it if I remember the divisions of English football correctly. But maybe I'm not. Could be that. And as I stated earlier, they, you know, they are a league competition with the CONCACAF. Uh, none of the French Guiana teams have actually played for the Caribbean club championships. And uh, they haven't competed in a CONCACAF Champions Cup since uh, ASC Le Gallard did it in 1992. So, yeah, that does it for everything for this particular episode. There, there isn't much. I shouldn't say there isn't much. There wasn't much to find about any of these teams. These teams. Any of these countries, rather. Um, so, that just means that next week we just got to do a little bit better, I think. Um. Oh, geez, I'm not entirely certain where to go from here. I don't know where to go from here. I, I'm kind of blinking. I'm definitely tired, so I don't know if I want to like continue going on, especially since I could, you know, clearly go home. I think that's what I'll do. I think I'll go home. So you know what? I appreciate you guys sticking around, and tuning in and listening in. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your uh, Martha Luther King Jr. Day. We'll be back tomorrow with uh, either Ecuador. No. It was either Peru or Brazil. One of those two. Oh, but we will talk with you guys tomorrow. Alright guys. Have a good rest of the day. Peace.